Hello. <laughs> it's January 16 today. <laughs> this is a date that I have been ingrained in my head for the past two months. As uh, I knew that it would be the first day that I preached. <laughs> January 16th. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so today is the 16th day of January, and I look at it, unfortunately, 16 days of my poor attempts of New Year's resolutions, but I'm holding on to my theme verse for this year, and I'm going to be talking about it today. Okay, so everyone, raise your hand if you have a theme verse for 2009. Oh, Dave Pio. That's like 50% of you guys. Okay, so this is actually the first year uh, where I've had a theme verse. And it's interesting how powerful a theme verse can be for someone. Because I feel like it's, <laughs> it's something that God wants to speak to you. It's something that he wants you to hold on to and show you for this year. And so being on staff at JCM, uh, we had to come up with our theme verse and our resolutions for 2009. And I had heard about Christian's theme verse and how it popped out to him. And so as I frantically, frantically looked through the Bible to look for a verse that popped out at me, nothing happened. And so the day before we had our staff meeting, I sat in my room reading the book of revelations and praying lord lord show me my theme verse god lord lord let it pop out to me lord <laughs> so that christian doesn't yell at me lord lord give me my theme verse but no nothing came to me that day and by the way christian didn't yell at me he was very helpful at the staff meeting and so as the days went by 2009 and my theme verse was not coming to me. I was reading Matthew, and there was something that kind of stood out to me. Uh, but it didn't pop out, as I had heard Christians say. And so I read this verse to myself, and I just thought, hmm, this is interesting. So it became my theme verse for the year. So for those of you who don't have a theme verse yet, I really encourage you guys to keep praying and keep reading the Bible for a theme verse. I think it's really important for us and also really good for us to, I'm going to take this out, uh, to have a theme verse for the year. And so I was on the phone the other day with my friend Dave Pio. And he was telling me about his theme verse. Dave, can I share it? Okay. <laughs> it's the theme verse in James, and it's kind of a tough one. And his is, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Amen. This is Dave Pilsen verse. And as I heard this, I honestly, I cringed a little bit. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, brother, you're going to have a tough year. A tough year. And so all along I'm thinking, oh, well, my theme verse is, is easy. Is, it's much more sweet than this. And so last Sunday when uh, Pastor Christian, he was talking about how tests mature us and how we need to have it to see, we need tests because they show us how mature we are. 
And I thought, man, <laughs> this message must be speaking to my brother Dave Pio, where he's going to have a year of testing. And I just pray, Lord, comfort him. <laughs> comfort him, Lord. And at the same time, I was glad that my theme verse wasn't so hardcore. And so as I thought this, then finally my theme verse, boop, popped into my head. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It's Matthew 4.19. And during Christian sermon, I realized that this is not as easy as I thought it would be. And this verse could very well be just as hardcore as Dave Pio's verse. So I started asking myself, how can we become fishers of men? How can we bring more people into God's kingdom? And the answer is, is seemingly pretty simple. We must follow Jesus. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that's the part that we can do. You know, this is like the first crucial step. And then Jesus takes care of the rest. We will not grow into be fishers of men in our own power, but this is what Jesus will do if we will only follow him. So tell your neighbor, follow me. Tell your neighbor, the people next to you, tell them, follow me. Follow me. <laughs> now, sisters, if your neighbor or the person next to you is a cute brother, I want you to beware. I want you to beware. You don't want to listen to him just yet. Okay, sisters, what is it going to take for us to follow a brother? <laughs> what will it take us? <laughs> now, we must know him. <laughs> and following Jesus is no different. Okay, we must know him in order to follow him. So this is our first step. How can we follow Expect to follow someone that we don't know. And how can we know God? This is the easy Sunday school answer. But we must read his word. <laughs> we must read the Bible. You know, I think about our day right now, and I think we take for granted the Bible a lot. We have this word. We have this book that we can hold in our hands. We can read whenever we want to. And we take it for granted a lot of the time. I think back in the Old Testament time, Abraham and Moses, they didn't have a Bible. They had to rely on God's voice. But today we have something that is God-breathed and 100% truth. So this is our first step to follow Jesus. We must know him and we must read his word. Uh, John 8, 31, 32 says, If you abide in me, in my word, and you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we read the Bible, and what's the truth? <laughs> the truth is that God loves us. And God loved us enough to sacrifice his one and only son, Jesus. Now think about Jesus. Jesus is the son of God. He's sitting on the right-hand side of, of our Father in heaven, you know. And he loved us enough to leave heaven and come to earth. Did you, ever guys, did you ever think about that? <laughs> Here's Jesus in heaven with the feasts and the clouds and having a good time, but he came down to earth so that he could be with us, you know? He's 100% God, but he became a vulnerable baby 
to later grow up and go through the things that we go through. Have you guys thought of that before? Sometimes, you know, I find myself thinking that, especially when I'm in a bad mood or I'm annoyed or bad things are happening. And sometimes when I'm on the subway and all these ajimas are pushing me left and right, they're stepping on my Uggs. They're really hard to clean. And they're being so gupe and mushing me out of the way. I think, man, I wonder if Jesus went through this. I wonder if Jesus, while in the marketplace, was getting pushed by ajimas left and right. And instead of wanting to pull their hair, he was probably very loving, loving to them. Okay, Or sometimes I think if I've eaten too much junk food and I have a stomach ache and I'm kind of rolling on the floor, I wonder, I wonder if Jesus ever had a stomach ache and if he was rolling on the floor also praying to God. I wonder what kind of physical pain he had to go through as a human. <laughs> I wonder how painful it must have been to die on the cross. And so while Jesus was 100% God, he was also 100% man. He became human so that he could understand where we come from. And he could understand all our hurts and pains and the troubles that we go through. He left the fluffy clouds and the feasts to come down so that he could go through what we go through as humans. And then he died for us. He sacrificed his body, but not only that, he sacrificed his fellowship with the Lord. You know, you think we go through these hard times and we go through these trials and persecution from people around us, but we at least have this comfort of knowing that God is always with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And that's our comfort, that he will be with us until the end of time. No matter what we can go or what we go through, we always count on the fact that God is with us through it all, but not Jesus. You know, when he was on the cross and he bore all our sin, God had to turn his face from him. So their sweet fellowship was broken. He had to endure it all by himself without the comfort of having a father that was by his side. And Jesus went through this for us because he loved us. And so by reading your word, you can see how much Jesus loves us. You can read and read and see how much God loves us. The book is full of love stories for us, his children. Now, it's this love that God wants to show you. It's this love that God wants to draw you into a love relationship with him. And he wants you to know him. God wants you all to himself. Now, God is jealous for us because he wants the best for us. And by knowing him and his love for you, then you will be able to follow him. This is the first step. <laughs> okay, the second step in following Jesus is to separate yourself from the world. To separate yourself from the world. Now, just because we know God's love for us, it doesn't mean that we automatically step away from the world. Now, we have to remember that our home is not this world. We need to be a people who are holy and set apart for him. We have to be separate. 
we can't be lovers of money and ambition and worldly success. This must be, uh, this ha- there has to be a separation from the world in order for us to fully know Christ. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. This quote's really good. Fish will not be fishers. The sinner will not convert the sinner. The ungodly man will not convert the ungodly man. And what is more to the point, the worldly Christian will not convert the world. The worldly Christian will not convert the world. Now, I wonder what I would have thought if I heard this Spurgeon quote back in 2007. You know, I told myself back then that I didn't think it was right to stop hanging out with my non-Christian friends. I thought, "Mm, I can still go clubbing. (laughs) I can still go dancing. You know, I'm not doing anybody any wrong, you know. (laughs) I'm just having a good time. (laughs) And I thought to myself, you know what, Lord? I'm not getting drunk. I'm not dating any guys. So what's the big deal, God? And that's what I told myself for the entire year of 2007. And so I think back on it now, and what possible impact or powerful impact could I, could I have had on the people around me? You know, maybe I could have shared the gospel with the guy I was dancing with at the club. Or maybe I could have shared the love of Jesus while downing a shot with my friend at the bar. But maybe not. Okay, I think Spurgeon is right. The worldly Christian cannot convert the world. How can he? If he's of the world, how can he convert the world? What makes us different? So what you have to ask yourself is this. If Jesus (laughs) were on earth here today, what would he be doing? Could we find Jesus at the club hitting on some girl and dancing up on her? No. (laughs) If he were going through the streets of Gangnam and he wanted to show God's love to people, what would he be doing? (laughs) he could be in the bar, you know, talking with people, but you would never see him sloppy drunk all over the floor. No, Jesus would be the salt. (laughs) He would never lose his saltiness. James 4, 4 says this, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So we, we're all friends of God, so we have to be separate from the world. And you are here on this earth temporarily, but it can't be our home. There must be a distinction between us, God's children, and also the children of the world. And we must be the salt and the light of the earth. If we lose our saltiness, then what good can come of it? So we must follow Jesus and be imitators of him. We must be separate from the world. Amen. (laughs) The third step to following Jesus is to abide in him. To abide in him. If we abide in him, then we will be made fishers of men. So we need to be all on Jesus. Okay, We have to be drenched in his word, drenched in his presence. He's the one who sustains us, and we need to abide in him. Now, think back to the disciples. And when Jesus was with the disciples, what did they do? He told the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And what did they do? They left their families. 
They left their comfort zones and they left their plans. And what next? What happened after that? And so the disciples were with Jesus all the time. They watched him perform all these miracles. They ate in fellowship with him. They went out and did the things he commanded. They abided in him. They were friends with him. They heard his prayers. They helped him to reach the people. And by being around Jesus, the disciples were able to learn what it truly meant to be fishers of men. Uh, John 15, 4 through 5 says this, Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we read the Bible, we spend time with the Lord, and we realize how good his love is. And the fact is, we can mess up time and time and again, but, and yet, his grace is sufficient for us. To know that there is nothing that we can do to earn this love, but that it is given to us free of charge, gongja, free to us. We need to drench ourselves in this love, abide in him and live with him. Now, this is the surest way that we can do good. Live in fellowship with Christ, and we will always carry the presence of God with us. And this will make us fishers of men. So now we can do all that we're called to do, which is follow Jesus. He beckons us and he commands us. And praise the Lord that it's not on our own, on our own behalf. We're not left alone to do this. The Holy Spirit is our aid. You know, God promises us that <laughs> he will never leave us and never forsake us. And all God really wants from us is a heart to follow him. And do we have that heart? You know, we as humans, we fail time and time and again, but really I thank God every day <laughs> that the Holy Spirit is here to help us and to follow Jesus. So now comes the second part of the verse which is the part that I thought was easy and fun, is I will make you fishers of men. So following is our part. Now this part is God's part. It's something for God to do for us. And although we went over the steps in following Christ, none of us can do anything without his help. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Remember that God is the one who sustains us. So now, <laughs> how will God make us fishers of men? How will God make us fishers of men? And the first thing is that God will use our past and work them for our good. He will use our terrible, dirty past and use it for our good in his kingdom. And so sometimes... I ask God and I say to him, Lord, why did you let me wander so far from you in college in the first couple years while I was in Korea? And I really do ask God, like, why? Why was there so much time of separation where, you know, I didn't get to know this love that God has for me? And I think, like, Lord, if I was with you all throughout college and now in Korea, imagine how well-versed I would be. You know, imagine how much 
knowledge I'll be. I'll be like a girl version of JM, you know? And knowing just all this stuff about the Bible and being a great teacher. And honestly, I ask God, why, Lord? Why is it that I had to wander so far from you? And so I think back on 2007, that year, uh, when I was struggling with my old ways, and I realized that there definitely was like a time of separation where I had to kind of take a step back and leave my comfort zone. I had to leave my friends and all the places that I was used to. And I had to separate myself from the world. And it wasn't until really recently that I thought, okay, I, I think I can go back now. I think I can go back to a bar and be strong. And I think I can be a light now, is what I thought very recently. And so a few weeks ago, me and Eno, Eno, me and Eno, we went to a co uh, ex-coworker's birthday party uh, to this bar in Shinchan. And <laughs> I hadn't been in a bar in a really long time, and so I felt a little bit, worried that I wouldn't fit in. And I thought, oh man, what if I feel awkward? What if I'm that awkward girl who walks in the bar? I mean, you know, there's always one. I was like, oh no, I don't want to be that awkward girl, Lord. And so I walk in and I felt just at home. <laughs> I just, I heard the music and it was like boom, bumping music. And I was like, yeah. And I honestly, I felt really comfortable. And so I walked in, no awkwardness at all. And I see a couple friends and I'm like, ah, <laughs> we're catching up. We're like, oh, what are you up to these days? And all these things. It was really good. And I hadn't seen these people. I mean, I've met them like one-on-one, -on -one, but I haven't seen these people in like a, a bar, like play type setting in quite a while. And so it was kind of fun. And it brought back a lot of, a lot of good and fun memories, you know, that we had uh, in 2007 and before. <laughs> so at this point, me and Eno kind of split up, and she's playing pool uh, with this dude, and I'm over here talking to a friend. <laughs> I'm talking to my friend, and he's, he's a male friend, and so we're just talking, and we're catching up, and this girl just comes up to us and starts talking with us. And actually, she wasn't really talking to me. She was talking to him. Um, now, she, <laughs> she was, she was a, a cute girl. She was cute. She was pretty tall and skinny and she had a cute face. And, but she was just completely obliterated, wasted. And I just, I'm watching their interactions and I can kind of tell, you know, from looking at her that, you know, she's flirting with him and, and doing these things and, and yeah, <laughs> don't let me drink anymore. And I'm so drunk and all these things to, to my friend. And as I'm just kind of standing and watching and at first, at first, honestly, I, I thought it was kind of funny and I was just kind of watching her and the things that she was doing. And it was kind of funny because it kind of reminded me of what I was like a few years ago <laughs> and my interaction with boys at the bar or at the club. And so as she's talking with him, I just later see her and she leaves him and now she's like bouncing around to other people 
and just kind of talking and being with them. And I just kind of watched her then and kind of lightheartedly, I thought, man, what a funny girl, you know? It felt like that place and time that I had almost never left. And the scene, that whole scene was, it was very, very strangely comfortable in in the bar, in the bar in Shincheon. And so as I'm just watching her, it, it kind of, at that point, the night kind of shifted a little bit from that comfort and being there. And I looked around at all these people who were there to celebrate my friend's birthday. And as I'm kind of like looking around the room and I see people who are like so tired and a lot of them kind of, I'm like, oh, what's up? How are you? And all they could do was just complain and complain about their work weeks, how crappy it is to work at CDI and just how they are just not having fun. They're not having fun. And so they kind of had this attitude like, oh, I was waiting for this night. I was waiting for Saturday so that they could go and drink, drink, let loose, and, you know, hang out with their friends. And having a a hard work week and just waiting for the weekend to come around. Woo, hold on. Um, So just so that they could have some booze and let go of their worries of their world. And I just watched. I just watched for like, I don't know, like 20 minutes. I just sat there and I watched. And I watched people. And I especially was kind of drawn to the girls that were at this bar. And like I said, they're all pretty cute, you know. And I just kind of watched them in their interaction with other people as they're kind of flirting with the guys and wanting attention here and there. And I'm just, you know, looking at them. They're all cute. They all have, like, all this makeup on and low-cut T-shirts and doing all these things just to appeal to the guy that's that's next to them. And I'm kind of watching this and thinking, man, you know, these guys here, they're probably they're probably only being nice to you to probably try to take you home, you know? And so, although in the beginning, it was kind of like a, I felt at home, after I kind of had watched that bouncy girl shift around, it kind of just shifted. And I just kind of was just, kind of just silent and wanting to go home and just kind of feeling empty. I felt empty being there. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I know I have Jesus, and he's by my side, but being around just these people and, and like, the hopelessness that they have, I just felt so empty. And so I just sat there, and I watched, and I was, I was really trying to fight the urge to feel hopeless because that's how they looked to me, like, not in a bad way, but they just looked hopeless. And so... I'm just sitting there and I'm watching and I'm asking God, Lord, what can I do? Lord, what can I do? I just, I, I must ask that question like 20, 30 times. Lord, what can I do? Lord, how can I show them Jesus? Lord, what can I do? What can I do? Help them, Lord. And I just watch them and this is all just going through my mind and I'm just praying and watching and praying and watching. And what I desperately wanted was to give them what I have. 
just taking it out from my heart <laughs> and giving it to them. I told Aaron this would happen. <laughs> um, just letting them see and feel what I see. You know, it was only a couple of years ago that I was doing the exact same thing they were doing. <laughs> just wanting to fill that void, wanting that attention from those cute guys and wanting to live it up. And it just felt so fresh. And just as I had stepped into the bar and it seemed like home in the beginning, later it was just a place of hurt, just pain and sin. And so now I see, and now I could see that God works all things for good. He works all things for good. Now you think about yourselves. We have all these testimonies of, of how God has changed our lives and some trauma, you know, some hurts and how we've overcome them. But we have to remember that God will never let your past go to waste. He will never let it go to waste. He will make us fishers of men by all our experiences. And he will use our testimonies to empower the people who are going through the same exact situation. He will use us to bless them, to give them a hope, and to give them a future. He will make us fishers of men. Now, not only <laughs> does God use our experiences, but he also uses our heart. So I want you guys to pay attention. What's in your heart? What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? Now, is it injustice? Is it the poor and oppressed? Is it the teenage girl who tries to find approval and love in all the wrong places? Or is it the wealthy who are so in bondage with the material things of this world? Just pay attention to what breaks your heart. God is the one who's placed it there. And he placed it there so that it will motivate us to be fishers of men. And, you know, after I had gone to my friend's party, the next week I had decided to meet... Um, a couple of my other friends, uh, a couple of other non-Christians um, that I was close with a couple years ago. And it was the following Saturday. And I, even though we weren't in a bar, we just went to go eat Brazilian barbecue and just have like uh, coffee afterwards. And still I came home with that same empty, like, uh, feeling. And I remember just praying and praying and praying for them. And I just... I was just thinking to myself, Lord, this is too hard. This is just too hard. I don't, am I going to have to go through this every time I meet my non-Christian friends is what I thought. And that was a very selfish thing, but that is what I thought. But that's not why, you know, God didn't place that in our hearts so that we can just hurt, you know. He places in our hearts so that we can be understanding and compassionate towards those people.
And he's placed it specifically in your heart so that you will be able to be the ones to reach whatever that group of people. Yes. So I, I think about each and every one of us, how we have a different heart for different things and how we are all beautifully and wonderfully made. And he's placed these different hearts, these different gifts and talents in us so that we can be God's hands and feet. We are called to be his fishers for his kingdom. We are called to fulfill the great commission through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I just...